when we downplay loss and then we don't grieve, what ends up happening is that we store all of that emotion. And so the next time we have a loss, it can actually feel exponentially worse than it actually is because it lights up all mm. the grief that's in our system. And so we don't want to actually make it a bad thing to grieve. We actually want to be able to lean in and just feel it and name it, acknowledge how you're feeling because it's the only way to move through it. Mm. A lot of times people try and do the whole like um, Brene Brown calls it the um, silver lining something mm. like, yeah, it's like, yeah, but this was bad, but but there's actually there's no reason to but anything. It could just be mm. bad and that's OK. Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers, and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good, and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries, and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. This is another recording of the live webinar that Lawrence and I are hosting during lockdown in the UK and across the world. We're joined by Christina Keesley, our longtime friend and Altitude alumnus. She's co-chair of Conscious Capitalism in Atlanta and is an executive coach for leaders, executives and entrepreneurs with 20 years of experience. For this episode, we talk about loss. When we downplay loss and don't allow ourselves to grieve, we store up that emotion so that next time we have a loss, we feel exponentially worse. This is because the new loss, even if it's relatively smaller, lights up all the grief that's still in our system. We're all currently suffering from a loss of some kind, whether it may be as tragic as the loss of a loved one or even the loss of a dream. Rather than push those unpleasant feelings away, we need to lean into them and just feel. We can't think our way out of grief. We can only feel our way through it. Many people try to silver line the loss and try to find something positive from the event, but there's no actual need to do so. It can just feel bad, and that's okay. With the help of the amazing Christina Keesley, we share the Kubler-Ross model on the different stages of grief and relate them to what we were seeing around us and experiencing ourselves. We hope it helps you deal with any loss that you're experiencing in your businesses and personal lives and gives you a way to process what's going on. Welcome to another Happy Entrepreneur live webinar. Um, we have with us 
the wonderful, the amazing, the very wise, and one of our most trusted teachers, Christina Keesley. Uh, and so, actually, before uh, before we kick off with intros and stuff, uh, we'll do a little check-in. Um, and one of the things that uh, I learned uh, yesterday as a nice little check-in is, if you were the weather, what forecast would you be uh, giving out right now? And I want to start with Christina. Uh, partly sunny with a chance of showers. Nice. Like mm. it. <laughs> You'd be a great weather girl. <laughs> <laughs> I've got visions of a, your, your Zoom background being like a green screen with like the, the clouds and all that stuff. Um, cloudy with a chance of meatballs. How about that? <laughs> I thought about that this morning. I oh, did you? I didn't. I didn't see the memo, so that was that was one of Adriana's favorite movies growing up. Okay, if you ask a silly question, expect to get a silly answer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we try and get deep, but do we ever? Uh, if you were a famous person, who would you be, Carlos? <laughs> Me. Are you famous? I am now. I've got 30, 40 people watching. That's good enough yeah. for me. <laughs> you're, you're the wise guru doing uh, Qigong every morning for people, exactly. for the nation. Yeah. You're like the uh, the Filipino. Um, Joe Wicks. Joe Wicks, yeah. You probably don't know yeah. who Joe Wicks is, do you, Chris? Give it three weeks and I'll be totally Yes, I know who people. John Wicks is. Joe Wicks. No, you obviously don't know oh, who Joe, Joe. Wicks is. <laughs> I thought you meant. <laughs> right. Should we move I on? So thoroughly degenerated into <laughs> into very contextual discussions about UK fitness experts. Um, so I think to begin with, to give people a feeling of, of who we're talking to, because um, we love you, but maybe some of the people joining might not necessarily uh, know some of your background. So it would be nice to give yourself a little bit of an intro as to kind of the work that you do and maybe your particular interest at the moment with this topic about coping with business loss. So, Christina, be um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about you. Um, let's see. Okay, so I've been in the field of people growth and development for 30 years. Um, I'm one of those people who got really lucky, and I went to undergrad for business management and specialized in human resource development because I wanted to, I loved business and I wanted to help people. And that's really, when I went to school, that's what you could do. Um, and I've actually been in the field for like my entire career, both inside companies and then I've owned a company um, for 20 years. And let's see, I live in Hotlanta with um, my uh, daughter, Adriana, who is a teenager. And then also who I call the wild kingdom of animals, two cats, two dogs, and then um, my really good friend, Jamie. Cool. And um, we, we, you know, we, we're now covering this conversation around uh, this feeling of loss. Um, and one of the things that we're going to talk about is, is the idea of grief. How has that been something that you've, that's come on your radar a lot recently. Is this something that, have you been having a lot of conversations around this topic recently? 
So definitely um, recently, but I would say the last almost four years, last three and a half years, I've um, dealt with a significant amount of loss. And um, so I've done tons of reading, tons of experiencing, and then by nature of reading and experiencing, helping other people as they've gone through losses, as well as part of what I do is executive coaching. And as an executive coach, some of the things that you work through with people is just things that they've dealt with that are getting in their way that they don't recognize are getting in their way. And often it's ungrieved loss and it just shows up in many different ways. Mm. And um, yeah, I think there's an interesting point there about this idea of it showing up mm -hmm. in, in the way I hear in sometimes ways that you don't necessarily expect. Is you got any examples of things that might people might relate to? Yeah, I mean, anything from um, either bursting out into tears and not having any idea like why, especially if it's super uncommon for you, like almost like feeling like that you're on the edge of tearing up all the time or where it actually just hits you and you're not prepared for it at all. Um, or you become really like snappy and kind of angry and you might snap at somebody um, sort of at, all of a sudden you actually just feel like all this kind of rush of anger or you actually feel completely numb. So where you normally enjoy things in life and you look forward to things, you actually just feel sort of um, flatlined. And so those are three different ways, I would say. Things show up and they're like, I don't understand. People are like, I don't understand why this is happening or why I feel this way or why I just did that or said that. Um, and often what we dig into and find out is, is they're dealing with some form of, of loss. And they're mm -hmm. grieving, but don't recognize they're in the process of grieving. Oh, man. Because a lot of the time, you know, I think when you think of grief, oh, you know, I think of mainly death. Yep. But I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily register that you can grieve for anything else. Um, and and that, it's, often, it's often not um, okay to do that either, right? So like, uh, businesses don't encourage or like just in general people don't encourage understanding when you've lost something and that grief is about the loss of a dream mm -hmm. it's any dream so it could be um a job or a business or who you thought you were going to be or who you thought you were going to be with or like there are a lot of things to grieve just in day-to-day -day life um, that we don't recognize. Hmm. Hmm. Any thoughts coming up for you, Lawrence, around this uh, idea? Because you, you had some ideas around how people deal with grief in different ways. When you were talking about, was it you said grief could be the, end, the loss of a dream? That's really powerful for me because like you said, you can tie yourself to maybe an outcome or a hope or a vision that you had for maybe where your business was going to go or where a relationship was going to go, where, um, yeah, where your life was going to go. And, and I can see how I'd thought of it maybe a little bit in that way. And we've had some instances in our journey where things didn't work out as planned and you kind of dust yourself off and move on. But then only when you look back, you think, actually, 
that that was a loss you know that was a loss of something and i'm an optimist and i tend to sort of cover up things and say oh it's fine and find the the positives but looking back actually this it feels like what you're saying is leaning into maybe not the negative side but leaning into what that emotion is or what that feeling is that comes up for people and trying not to suppress it and just move on and dust yourself off is that right yeah yeah i mean and specifically too not naming it as like bad or negative mm. like um when we downplay loss and then we don't grieve what ends up happening is that we store all of that emotion and so the next time we have a loss it can actually feel exponentially worse than it actually is because it lights up all mm -hmm. the grief that's in our system and so we don't want to actually make it a bad thing to grieve we actually want to be able to lean in and just feel it and name it acknowledge how you're feeling because it's the only way to move through it. Mm. A lot of times people try and do the whole, like um, Brene Brown calls it the um, silver lining something. Mm. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, but this was bad, but. But there's actually, there's no reason to but anything. It could just be mm. bad and that's okay. Mm. It's we the talked human bit, experience. We, we talked a bit about this last week with Shamash, didn't we, about the idea of... Um, facing up to emotions, not judging them, but just accepting them for what they are. And and um, I think one thing that came out of, that, out of that was almost like happiness and um, depression that we were talking about, but equally some what might be seen as negative emotions are actually two sides of the same coin almost. Do you see that, that actually by opening yourself up to a loss or the feeling of grief that you could um, maybe open yourself up to more positive emotions too? Um, I think that the only way to get through grief is to feel your way through it, not to think your way through it. And if you can get through to the other side, I think it can open up possibilities mm -hmm. and you can figure out, um, how you've learned and how you've grown. I think theoretically, the more you can feel the sad emotions, the more you can feel the happy emotions. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, like I find that to be like theoretical and kind of nice. I'm not really sure how that plays out. Mm. Mm. Sounds like there's like not banking on the fact that, oh, I'm gonna accept loads of negative emotions so I can feel good emotions. But what I'm hearing as well as deep down is like, if you can't let those emotions in, what other emotions are you not allowing to to run run their course? Yeah, I, I was just trying to. There's one of the biggest challenges I think around business that I found is we use the word feeling a lot, and mm -hmm. it isn't something that you find commonplace. There's not really a place for a lot of people for feelings in business. Is that something that you've experienced with people? I know you 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 work on making sure they do feel, but is that is that general still a general perception for you, Christina? I actually think it's just people in general. I think people, seriously, I think people in general don't leave a lot of room for feeling the full range of emotion. And so whether it's in business or what, I mean, like I, I've seen it just as much in 
churches and nonprofits and people that I've talked to who are government employees. Like, I just think it's the human experience that we tend to fight against the things um, that are scary. And so a lot of times emotions are scary. And um, so nobody really wants to talk about it or um, definitely not during the work day, whatever kind of work you do. Hmm. The thing that fascinates me, particularly in business, is how that plays out if it's, say, co-founders or a, you know, a leadership team, if you're maybe dealing with the same situation but handling it in different ways. You know, I've heard lots of stories of people who've maybe lost a loved one and their relationship has gone in different directions, maybe as a result of them navigating this in a completely different way and not getting each other. And do you see that play out in terms of business people and, you know, maybe start a company together or who, who lead a company together, not really accepting it for themselves and certainly not accepting it maybe for the others in their team? Yeah, I was listening to a podcast yesterday between Brene Brown and David Kessler. And David Kessler is the guy who wrote about the seventh stage of the grief cycle. So he worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And one of the things that he said was, is Brene asked him about, um, she asked him about the divorce rate with parents who had lost children. And um, what he said, and I think this is true in business as well as it is in relationships, what he said was, grief is not the thing that actually causes the divorce judging one another's grief process is what does and so it's the act of judging because you don't grieve the way i grieve your grief you're grieving less you love the person less you loved the dream of our business less. Um, and so as opposed to just recognizing that um, grief is as unique as a fingerprint, um, we try and make everybody like, we try and judge everybody else like, well, you should grieve the way I do. And if you don't, then you're bad or wrong, not you're just different. And oh my God, grief sucks and I feel alone. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think something very much around that idea of we all see the world differently or accepting that we we can see all see the world differently and that doesn't necessarily mean us mean that one is a better way of looking at the world than the other um mm -hmm. you i think you touched on the idea of you know maybe to help people just uh, while we may see, grieve in different ways, some way for us to get a feeling for what that process of grief could be like. You talked about the, the Kubler-Ross model. Maybe we could, is a time to just describe that a bit more to, to give people an understanding of what that might be if they haven't heard it, heard about yeah. it before. I actually think it's really, it's a helpful model. It's not linear, like it's shared in a linear format, but I will say like it is not a linear process, but what it does help is it, um, it gives people at least something to look at, to be like, can I find myself in here somewhere? Does it explain like where I'm at or what I'm going through? Or like, why are these, why are these weird things happening to me? Why am I like acting out of character? And so, the first stage is basically the 
the shock and it's like that that initial paralysis and sometimes it's initial numbing um where it's kind of like you sort of can't believe something is happening and so it takes a while for it to actually sink in um and then you may go through denial which is acting like it's not really happening um and then potentially anger uh where you actually have been shoving down emotion and then you either like you can get resentful you can get pissed off you can be snappy or irritable um and then there's the bargaining piece where you're actually really trying to figure out like what part what part can you keep or if you do x can you get y and so it's really the part of not wanting to not wanting to move through the loss and let go of what you've lost but see it's like seeing how much you can keep of what you're losing um the next part is depression where um you may actually find yourself like eating a lot sleeping a lot watching netflix a lot things that you just um you're just kind of numbed out and sad and so however sad looks for you like it looks different for different people um and then you start to like decide okay well what can i do so you start actually thinking about the options of all right well what um you know is there something i can do instead i think you guys talk about this like as in pivoting so you start to pivot and test like all right well how can I move forward or what may I be able to do instead? Or sometimes it's even what might I be able to do in the meantime? So you almost bounce back and forth between bargaining and testing. Hmm. And then the final piece is um, it's, they call it acceptance. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like saying, all right, so it is what it is, at least for now. And so what am I going to do to move forward? Um, and then the last piece actually that's, um, not in here is about eventually being able to find some type of like learning or meaning from what happened. So there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot there, um, mm -hmm. potentially to, to kind of unpack. And I think what we're, our intention with this call was to start to give anyone watching this who who may be experiencing some of these things but didn't realize this is part of a, a process yeah um, giving them an idea of that actually this is this is fine this is normal and relating some of those stages to maybe to stuff that we're seeing that's seeing happen around us or stuff that we're actually experiencing ourselves right um yeah denial. yeah it's actually just <laughs> 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 well, I think it's actually good for the three of us to like potentially talk about like what's been happening with us because um, I think it's helpful for people to hear sort of our stories of where we've found ourselves because that's part of what you know we were talking about is um, like what's the cycle we've been through recently and like where are we sitting right now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Let's crack open the therapy box. Bring it. 
Right. And like you said, you said it, was, it wasn't a linear. No. Not necessarily. It's not like, oh, I have to go through these stages to, to tick these boxes almost. It, it's, you bounce around maybe at different times a day even. Or is that, is that your perspective on it? Yeah. So what can end up happening is you literally can go through every single stage in a day and then you can stay stuck in a stage or like around a stage for like a month. And Mm -hmm. so it's a really interesting process where it's not linear and you bounce back and forth between things. Um, I just think the ultimate goal is to actually move through and not get stuck but in order to move through, you got to know that you're actually even in it. Hmm. Acknowledge it. Um, it's not about trying to push yourself to the next thing, but it really is making sure that you don't stay stuck um, for long periods of time in one place. Um because that's the thing I think I find that can be unhealthy. Mm. So one of the things that springs to mind for me anyway, there's um, definitely felt a bit of anger and not necessarily targeted at, I'm not sure if it's to do with the grief, but definitely anger at the anger, if that makes sense. Yeah. One of the reasons I've like, I've tried to stay off social media is that I see things being said and, I don't know, blame being thrown around and I'm reacting to that really not productively let's put it that way so I'm curious as to whether that's part of me trying to deal with this idea of I'm trying to think of even what the loss is because it's a loss of freedom a loss of opportunity you know with myself and Lawrence we there's two of the most sort of two of our favorite things each year is not happening anymore uh, summer camp and altitude and 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 that's not just the event itself but the opportunity to connect mm-hmm. and I was curious as to whether that's really part of the loss I don't know what you think Lawrence well, it's weird looking at the model I almost feel like I'm going through it in reverse <laughs> um, I like to think I'm quite resilient and so I tend to accept things quite early on and go okay this is what we've been dealt with how can we work with it and, and, you know, we've had a couple of blows before, so I feel like, not saying we've worked it all out, but certainly it makes you a bit um, bit more resilient. But then I think, I didn't really think enough about it, things at the time. So say, for example, with summer camp, when we made that decision, it was just straight into, so what do we need to do? You know, we need to tell people about it. We need to inform everyone who's bought a ticket. We need to um, share that story in the most sort of heartfelt, personal way for us. And then from there, what, what's kind of come in its place and then now it's actually actually haven't really kind of let that sit in that we're not doing it this year summer camp and so that for me is then more maybe the depression's going to hit come august when that's the real build up to it and that's what momentum you get when you're putting on a big experience and i was saying to someone yesterday you know we've put this event on since well this this will be the first year since 2012 we haven't done it so it's it's a huge part of our our, not just income, but our lives, you know, our work life, but also our personal lives. You know, many of the people like you we've met on this journey are friends of ours, good friends of ours now. And so we share these experiences together, um, not because it brings in money, but because this is what we live for. And so, yeah, I think when you tie your work to your identity and your 
community and connection. I think that's where I can see this becoming even more useful as a lens to look at this through because yeah, it's, I think it's quite easy just particularly for us as like doers and more creative types to just fill the, fill the void with something else. Um, and so we've been trying hard, I think, particularly me to, you know, have these conversations and create space rather than just fill the void with more stuff that might not actually be helping people. We're just trying to distract our attention maybe from the hard thing, which is actually facing up to what's happened. Mm. Yeah, we try and do our way out of stuff and think our way out of stuff often. Hmm. Like what's the next thing to do or what's the next idea to think about the feeling part is stopping to actually figure out like, huh, like how, how do I feel about what's happening? Um, I know that early in my, I would say earlier, not like early, early, but earlier in my career and every once in a while I find myself being like, what the hell good is emotion like what like why do i actually need to sit and and like quote unquote feel it um it feels like super touchy feely to me and what i've recognized over time is a that reaction is anger so that kind of like cynicism and sort of bitey like what good is this sort of thing this is stupid that's a anger based reaction and then i found that I will act out of emotion if I do not know it's there. And so as opposed to making a wise choice, like being able to make the best decision in the moment, I will make an emotional decision that is not as wise as it could be. It made me, it reminds me of, the, of that book, by Dan Ariely, predictably irrational. And the, the premise that I have, I understand from that book is that we think we are logical beings, that we based all our decisions on you know pros and cons and really clearly understanding the logic. But when it really comes down to it, we are emotively based. And you know, we will decide on a product or a brand, not because you'll do the, the maths necessarily, but because of something you feel about it. Uh, and how, yeah, for me, that idea of relating um, feelings to function. I think one of the reasons why a lot, I do a lot, and I think, and I'm projecting here, but I believe a lot of people do, because this idea of being productive, what is the function of the thing? What's the purpose? How am I actually do, you know, making a difference? And, and my perception a lot of the time for a while, feelings have no function. What they were there was just to make me feel a bit crap and that was it and they were kind of whether they were even weak the idea of feelings being weak yeah um and for me the the realization of the appreciation is like the power in feeling the feelings and basically what resonated for me when you just said that is like then you can recognize when you are making a decision that is based on something that isn't happening right now but might be have happened already yeah I liked you when I just said I liked you when you said about you know um, acting without realizing those emotions are there. I think Vix mentioned that. Um, so when you talk about maybe people who are less 
comfortable talking about this stuff and I can imagine some of the leaders you've worked with or coached maybe some of the language even mentioning grief I don't know how that resonates with people or not or grates with them but um, it sounds like these emotions are there whether or not you own up to them is that what you're saying you know that they're there dictating your behavior so by owning up to them doesn't mean that they suddenly appear they're there anyway yeah so sometimes I'll actually be sitting and I'll be working with somebody And I'll say, you know, tell me, you know, tell me more about that. And they'll start talking and I'll say something like, you know, it sounds like you're sad. And there are oftentimes where at first the person will be like, well, no, I don't think so. And then I'll just kind of sit for a minute and then they'll be like, yeah, well, maybe. And and then I just am like, yeah, that I mean, dad tells me you cared. So I think it's okay to be sad because you care about what happened. And I think that's part of what helps people be like, okay with being sad or okay with being angry is when I help connect to like, it just means you cared. We don't care. We don't grieve things that we didn't care about. That's what Shamma said last week was, yeah, we hurt where we care. And we care yeah. where we hurt. Um, and it's interesting. I, I'm conscious of language. Like I said, Audrey's just mentioned that too. She, was, she wasn't that interested in the webinar because of the word grief until she thought again. With being sad or okay with being angry. Oh, we've got two Chris's on the, on the go. <laughs> um, do, you, do you find that? We, we even find this with the happy startup school, the happy entrepreneur. These, these, these emotive terms can cause a bit of tension with people do you find that with even just mentioning grief as a word is there a better word that we can use for this stuff i think it depends on who you're talking to i think um in general using like terminology like loss and grief um is helpful because it puts in context like what we're talking about when i'm doing one-on-one work with people um i try and pay attention to what their language is and so if their language is on the lower emotional intensity scale i'll use lower emotional intensity words like irritation like i won't use anger i'll use what sounds like you're irritated or it sounds like you're annoyed so i tend to pay attention to the language the person is using and i mirror back the emotional intensity and the language um but in general, when I, I think when we talk like on a podcast or something like this, um, I think talking about the the grief process, talking mm-hmm. about loss, I think it's important to talk about like the big uh, frameworks so that mm-hmm. people know kind of what you're talking about. And if they want to read more about it, they can go to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that, it's a thing, right? It's a known thing that, yeah, like you said, whether it's losing your job, um, separating from a lifelong partner or losing a loved one it's the same process you're going through um i'm curious about how you got into this in terms of it seems like you have a real intuition and you know for you to say to someone it seems to me like you're sad mm. you're obviously a very good reader of people's emotional state and how they show up where does that come from um I'm trying to think of like where it sort of started for me. Um, but part of it is uh, I actually have just been through a lot of loss. 
So I would say like part of it is just personal experience starting at a really young age. Um, and so those losses have translated into um, me dealing with having complex PTSD. And so um, I've done a lot of research um, and then I think, so like I'm in business, I wanted to help people. I got into leadership development. Leadership development tends to lead you towards um, helping people with emotional intelligence and like kind of basically learning about and managing, feeling the emotion and then not acting out of the emotion. So like the whole like self-awareness, self-management piece and then relationship awareness, social awareness. So I think my career just has evolved over time, not only with experiences, but then with study and then application. So I would say like that's kind of, it's really been 30 plus years of study. Um, but I would say about uh, probably 12 years ago, I read a book um, called uh, How People Grow by Henry Cloud. Um, and it talked about the growth process and the fact that in order to grow, you actually have to grieve, loss, and heal. And so it talked about the fact that like emotional maturity is based on metabolizing loss through the grief process and then doing it together with other people. And so I would say, yeah, it's probably been about 12 years ago. I started doing deeper and deeper dives into not only working with individuals on grief work when it came up or referring them out when I knew I started to recognize when somebody, one of my coaching clients had PTSD Mm-hmm. or somebody and a team had PTSD. So I'd refer them to someone to help that, to get their, they didn't know it. And so I'd see it and then actually help them get help. Um, and so I started to see more and more and recognize how much, you know, people in business aren't any different than people any place else. Mm-hmm. Like they're just often less likely to go any of the professions that actually cause you to be like super self-sufficient and I got this and like, you always have to be strong. Um, any cultural context like that, or like business context like that, I started to recognize that those people are people who don't typically go get help. Mm. And so, um, I started digging into the work to help the people in context who wouldn't normally go get help. And I did it through leadership development and organizational effectiveness. And I don't know, that's a really long answer, but basically it's been my experience plus my career, plus the, like my functional career, plus the work that I've done with people and then the continued research. And so it sounds to me like having been through a lot of pain yourself, that's almost armed you with the toolkit to spot pain in others really is that a fair way of putting it do you think you'd be able to have that empathy if you didn't have that those experiences yourself i think i would i think i would have empathy but i uh 
but I don't think I would have the level of understanding that I have. And I don't think I'd be able to help people get connected with the resources. So like I can see things now in people that then I can help them get connected with the resources that they need for themselves to heal. Hmm. That sounds like the interest in it, you know, in, in digging deeper to, to uncover all these resources and tools and, and uh, solutions for people. Yeah. The more I've learned, the more I've grown, the more I've shared. Mm. And I think hopefully the more people who have gotten help, um, which is where I actually find meaning in the pain is mm. after I've gone through like really tough experiences, I've been able to share what I've learned and help other people get connected. Mm. Right. Yeah. I, think I was clumsily trying to say earlier on when you talked about emotional maturity was by by leaning into this, you can open yourself up to a richer human experience. It sounds like more meaning anyway. Um, and I think you can connect with people on a different level as well. Yeah. Like you can only connect with other people's experience as much as you're willing to connect with your own experience. So basically, if I'm not willing to feel the feelings, so like somebody said on here, like lean into the suck. <laughs> if you're if if you won't lean into the suck yourself, you can't actually lean into it with someone else. And they yeah. know it. Right? Like you can't connect with somebody, you can't sit with someone. Like I, I think about the people who are laying people off right now. Hmm. If you've not experienced loss, and if you've not felt those feelings of everything from like fear to abandonment like you're going to provide a much less human experience to the people that you're laying off than if you actually know what it feels like to be maybe not necessarily exactly in their position but you know what fear feels like and you know what like hurt and pain and loss feel like um if that's the case then you recognize like you're gonna care when mm. you lay somebody off you're going to feel what we would call like survivor's guilt you're mm. i mean there, there are all these things that you're just going to have a much more connected experience and a much more compassionate experience um if you've actually leaned into and felt that stuff yourself hmm. okay. yeah one aspect for this for me on this is i think it feels it sounds like fundamental you need to be able to feel the feelings and having felt them so the idea of leaning into the suck makes sense to me but there's also there's a skill here in terms of then how you use or process those feelings and use that understanding when working with others, um, because I, you know, I've experienced that there's people who really, you know, they feel all the feels, but not necessarily always the best person to sit with when you're feeling them as well, because they don't necessarily they can understand you, but they don't necessarily know how to help you through that. They just jump in the pool with you, and and I feel there's something around the work that I where we're kind of move towards is that how can we skillfully help each other through these 
challenges, not just, oh yeah, I feel exactly the same as you and let's just wallow in the poo. But um, how do we, how do we have like, you know, when you're talking about these models, how do we create a common language? How do we create a common understanding that, so when we do communicate what we're feeling, we kind of, we, we can hit, hit the same wavelength and, and know what, how we can help rather than just purely sitting there, though being able to feel at the same time seems to be key to that as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the thing to recognize is is that we actually can't we actually can't really help each other through feelings. What we can do is we can sit with. There's a word. Um, the word is abide. Is to sit with and to be with. Um, we can sit with and be with people and we can name things for them. Like we can reflectively listen, you know, like it sounds like you're feeling this or um, it sounds like you're really confused about X. But our job is to witness someone else's experience. It's not actually to try and solve it for them or to try and move them or anything else, because like when we talked earlier, we said somebody's pain is like as unique, grief is unique as a fingerprint. Like we all grieve in different ways at different times. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, our definition of help sometimes is we think we should quote unquote do something, but there's no doing, there's being. Like you be with someone else and listen. Um, and don't push and don't try and solve and don't try and especially ideators like woo entrepreneurs, right? We're mm -hmm. ideators like crazy. Well, you could do this or you could do that about what about this or like we're in a completely if you move into that, you're in a completely different headspace than the person that you're sitting with, unless that's what they've come to you for. Um, and that's when they're all the way into testing and acceptance, kind of bouncing back and forth in that space. Um, and so the skill is, is to actually understand that grief takes its own pace. Mm -hmm. And if you want to sit with somebody in it, you just actually have to be there and listen and recognize that it's not about you. Mm. So get out of there. Don't be doing <laughs> any like problem solving or ideating or anything like that unless somebody asks you for it. I also think of so many people, if you've lost someone, will say something to you and then link it straight back to their own experience, if it's what you're trying to say. It's not about you, you know? Oh, it's yeah. like the time that this happened to me. I know how you feel. Um, but I think also that idea of it doesn't have a timeline. I think someone said that to me after my dad passed away a couple of years ago. It's like, yeah, grief doesn't have a timeline, which for me was really powerful because it took away that feeling of, I need to, I should be over this by now, you know? I don't know if you've seen that too, that people want to move on to, okay, now you're done with that. You've had your time to deal with that. Let's, let's move on to doing mode. We're actually really fickle as human beings. Like we're fickle with each other. Like when we're done, like if I'm done with your grief, then I want you to be done with your grief too. And that's where like patience and love really kicks in is that, and I mean that in a business context as well. Like, even when somebody, let's say 
didn't get a promotion or something like that. And a year later, they're still struggling with how it made them feel or what they thought it meant about them. We want them to be like over it. Like, oh my gosh, it happened a year ago. Why aren't you over this at this point? Well, because they're not ready and there's something in that, in there for them that they still need to work through. And so we want them to be done with it. Um, but it's going to be on their timeline. They're not ready. Hmm. Nice. You've got quite a few questions, it looks like. Yeah, I was thinking like, well, particularly based on what you just said, I feel like there's this, uh, Anya posted this question about the difference between sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Mm. Um, and uh, this needing to have someone just get over the grief because you want to do something else or you want them to move on because you want to move on. I assume that's to do with a lack of compassion there. Um, oh, were you going to say something, Chris? Did somebody ask a question? It was just more, I think it was more of a comment about the difference between sympathy, empathy oh. and compassion. Um, so uh, what we have here, let's see what questions we have. Okay, here's a crunchy one. So, Christina, do you agree that women world leaders are doing well in the fight against coronavirus because they are not neglecting their emotions and are actually taking wiser decisions from compassion? Um, are these decisions like uh, Jacinda's more emotional, like Jacinda's more emotional or irrational? I'm not sure who Jacinda is. Pardon my... New Zealand's Prime Minister. Is that New Zealand's Prime Minister? Okay. Yeah. So I think the argument is the German leader, the New Zealand leader, and maybe one one or two others, that, that it seems like the, well, some of the data shows that some of the countries that have led less um, impact on this from the virus have been led by women. I would not actually, I don't, I got no comment on that one. And the reason <laughs> is that this is such a complicated issue. Like it is so incredibly complicated that I don't think you can actually, um, I'm not sure you can simplify it to how are the leaders doing? Hmm. I feel that the core of this is this idea of um, neglecting emotions as a leader. Um, and maybe the, the specific instance around the pandemic is, a, I think it's a bit of a challenge to answer that in that way but um i think this i would interpret this question at a broader level of women leaders versus men leaders male leaders and um being in touch with their emotions and how that helps with decision making maybe thinking of it that way so because i work with so many leaders both male and female um I would say I, I know women leaders who aren't in touch with their feelings, just like I know men leaders who aren't in touch with their feelings. And I know men leaders who are in touch and female leaders who are in touch. And so I, I actually just think it has to do with like, how much work have you done on yourself? How much self-awareness work have you done? How 
much self-management work have you done? How deeply have you done and continue to do growth work? Um, that I think is the key to making wise decisions, whether you are male or female. Um, because I think understanding yourself, processing your emotions, it's key to leadership regardless. Nice. Mm -hmm. One thing there is, um, I think I touched on this a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago, sorry. Um, it actually came out of a book, I think it was called Happiness After Loss or something like, or Happiness in Loss. And she talked about the idea of post-traumatic growth versus yeah. post-traumatic stress. Is that something you buy into, the idea that people can maybe experience a similar thing but come out of it in different ways? And, um, and, use, so, and then use it as a driving force for something positive. Well, so post-traumatic growth, um, I've seen it used a couple different ways. One of them is, is after dealing with and learning to manage post-traumatic stress, that sometimes there is post-traumatic growth. So, so you either find meaning and or you have a learning experience that comes from that post-traumatic stress, then they also talk about it at a, at a more global level where if there is some type of major thing that we all go through together that is traumatic, that then there may be gr growth from that. Not that the thing itself is good, but that afterwards there was meaning or learning that came from it. I don't know if that mm -hmm. makes sense, but like it's, it's actually talked about in two different ways. Yeah. No, I get that. Individual and more like globally. And okay. do I buy into it? Yes. I buy in that there, there can be um, learning and growth after something terrible happens. Hmm. And that's the bit of fascinating part of this reason this conversation came about. We were chatting um, a couple of weeks ago about the idea of post-traumatic business. What does business look like on the basis that we're all going through a traumatic experience? You know, almost unprecedented that as, an, as a, a planet, we're all experiencing the same thing. And again, people reacting in different ways to the same experience or having different experiences of that experience. But um, I think that's what fascinates me is how business will look like coming out of this phase you know because again it's hard to not be affected by it in some way whether you own up to it or not yeah mm. uh the way i i look at that is like it's it's all based on how the people react isn't it lawrence the businesses are going to be how the businesses react will depend on how the leaders react and part of what i hear from chris and part of this core of this conversation is how much time are you investing in the work? Mm -hmm. And that's your it sounds like that's that's your mission, isn't it, Chris? To help people invest in the work. Yeah. And I think listening, I think I I feel like listening is a skill now that any business leader has to start to have part of their toolkit. Because I think if you've seen any marketing or sales in the last few weeks that haven't felt sensitive to what's going on, then that for me is what does more harm than good so i think being able to listen to what people need and how people's needs are evolving i feel is a skill that 
you know, will help anyone going forward. And I would say that listening with the intent to actually make the other person feel understood versus listening with the intent to get what you want out of mm. the conversation, those are very different um, intentions or motivations behind listening. So if you and I are listening to one another, um, I want to make sure that I'm listening and reflecting back so that you feel like I really understand what you were telling me, not me constantly like digging in and trying to figure out like, what do I need from you? And like mm. pull, asking the questions to pull the information from you. Um, one of them is a very me centered and the other one is a very you centered and connection based type of listening. There's a book I've been reading and there's a cartoon in it and it's two people standing together at a party and one says to the other, anyway, enough about me. What do you think of me? <laughs> <laughs> so um, maybe cover two more questions, if that's okay, before we, we wrap up. Um, here's a simple one. I uh, just wanted to acknowledge it, though I think we've addressed it. Tim was asking, are there well-known ways to fix or relieve loss or grief? Or is it important to just acknowledge and accept the feelings and ride it out mostly? Yeah, acknowledge and accept the feelings and understand that as you acknowledge and accept them, that that's the thing that actually will move you. When we fight our emotion, that's what keeps us stuck. Sometimes we're so scared of it that we fight it and then it just is like we just keep hitting up against a wall the only way to move through is to be like okay mm. i say part of that you know rather than the fix part of the skill i think is being able to name those emotions so expanding your your vocabulary around how you name the feelings i, I find really helpful yeah and by the way you can go literally google search um like list of emotions and you can find lists on the internet that'll give you like i don't know 200 emotions and so if you're having trouble like if you really if you're trying to do this and you're like i don't even know where to start google it print a list of emotions and actually think about the thing that you're trying to process and just go through and circle every emotion that even remotely resonates with you it's just one place to just start. Um, because you're not, some, even, you're not even to say, hey, hey, Google, hey, Google, how do I feel? <laughs> Google probably knows. Probably. Siri, hey, so, Siri. Siri. Sounds like emotional bingo. All right, yeah. who's got full house? <laughs> who's felt all the feels? <laughs> um, okay, one more question. Um, yeah. There was a, quite a meaty one there. I don't know if it's... Um, difficult to go to in a couple of minutes raise one but i just i didn't want to ignore it on the basis that it's uh it's yeah, quite a bleak, a, bleak, a bleak one he says utterly demotivated bleak about the future imagine the loss of freedom forced behavior socially and medically and i can imagine he's not alone in that feeling of it feels, it feels like very little hope or feeling of light at the end of the tunnel what what's the actual question um, I think this was maybe a reflection of how people were feeling at the moment. And I think mm -hmm. when we were talking earlier about 
just sharing what that emotion is or what what it what you're feeling uh, what you're going through um, with an aim to maybe just address it in whatever way we can comment on it so it's it sounds like this the depression part of this stage mm-hmm. is the way I'd look at it hmm. and Ian, is there any yeah tips or advice for someone to yeah, find something to cling on to, to to move to the next stage. Well, so part of what that is, is it's a loss of control, feeling of a loss of control, like a loss of agency, personal agency. And so part of what sometimes can help is just to ask yourself the question, okay, what do I feel like I can't control? What do I feel like I have no control over? And then what do I feel like I do have control over? Because sometimes when you start naming the small things that you do have control over, it helps you recognize that um, it's not it's not all bad, that it's both. Like one of the things we have a hard time doing as human beings is holding both good and bad together. Like something can be bad and there can be good as well at the same time. That doesn't mean you're trying to like, like positivity bypass it. It just means that what you're trying to do is make sure that you don't go all or nothing. And so if you're feeling that loss, it's being like, okay, so have I lost everything? Is there nothing that I own or is there nothing that I control? And then being able to name, okay, here are the true losses. Here are the things that I don't know about and are uncertain. Here are the things I do know about and here are the things that are certain and here are the things I know I have control over. That just starts to help you feel Mm. like you have some agency in a situation where you feel like you don't have any. Mm. Brilliant. Maybe a a time to reread Man's Search for Meaning if he hasn't read it already. There's so much stuff in there about, yeah, controlling what's in your remit. And it's okay to just actually feel too. It's okay. It's okay to just feel like hopeless and sad. It's okay to feel that and to recognize, like, yeah, this sucks, mm-hmm. and it's really hard. Feels like it all comes back for me anyway. Um, this idea of acceptance and how we can stop resisting. Um, lack of agency or perception of lack of agency. I like the idea of focusing on agency because when you realize you do have agency, then that's where the shift is. And I think that's, Mm. I understand the core of of Viktor Frankl's message is where you can claim agency um, when you feel like you don't have it. Um, There are a lot of things we can't control at all, but there are some things that we can control. um, And that's one of, that I think his most powerful, like it's his most powerful message. Mm. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Christina. That was also it's one of <laughs> not the lightest of topics that we've covered on no. right. conversations, but I really do hope um, that's given people food for thought uh, mm. and ideally at least something that they can use to process what I feel like not only is happening now, but we're still going to be doing more of this and there's going to be a lot more loss into the in the future. Um, so mm. it feels like a, 
something that we need to be able to manage skillfully if we are going to get out of this and like you, what you said Lawrence in a more post-traumatic business way that's positive rather than destructive um, yeah I think these are the conversations that we you know you talk about it not being a cheery topic but I think at all our events this vulnerability I think is key to what we do really is this this feeling of I can say what's going on for me even if I hadn't ever even said it to myself and that can be the hardest thing just just owning this saying it out loud is is the first step um so I'm yeah, appreciative for you for coming on the call and being able to have this conversation and having all these people join us and and join in with the conversation it feels like we could talk more about this for hours so it's continued <laughs> I think uh yeah, again, it does it um like talking through literally like the when you're talking through the actual situations and then like what do you do and what must like it'd be a great thing to talk about like what mistakes have I made because I've actually been mired in feeling but didn't want to recognize it and you know those types of things um and also we yeah we didn't get to talk about you because I know you've been through a lot recently with your business as well so um yeah maybe there's around maybe there's around two of this yeah I think bringing it home bringing it home a lot of this stuff is is I'm in I actually I too love just talking to people um so as people have questions I think it's really um it's great to actually just engage as people have questions about like what they're going through and uh there are a lot of people who are asking themselves right now is it normal to sit and stare at a computer screen for an hour and not know where the time went. And I just want to be like, yes, it is normal. Cause this <laughs> shit is crazy right now. <laughs> so, so put away the laptop and go and st stare at the sun. Take a walk. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think to finish off is uh, firstly, thank you to everyone who stayed until the end. Really yeah. appreciate your company and your questions. Uh, if you are interested in having further conversations around this, you know, we want these things to be of service, these calls, rather than us just putting stuff out there and, and not being of help. So if you'd like to see Christina on again, please post the message in the in the chat uh, and we'll we'll look to bring her back and we can have a, a deeper conversation around this. Um, next week we're yeah, hoping that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. More yeses, more yeses, stick them in there. Um, <laughs> next, we would like to uh, bring on board Lawrence Shorter. Uh, we were talking about the idea of knowing what to do next. Awesome. We're going to have a discussion about the art of not knowing. Does he even and know he's on yet? He doesn't know yet. Okay. So we'll bring him on. There's nothing like a bit of peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. So it's we're going to try, try and get Lawrence Shorter on to talk about the art of not knowing. Uh, we, you know, one of the things that we're conscious of is this this feeling of uncertainty and not knowing. So next Monday, we're going to be doing another call with Lana Yelenyev about what can we do when things are uncertain. What are the uh, what was the stage that you were talking about? Finding solutions, testing, um, testing, testing. How can you test what to do next? And we're going to be yep. talking about pivoting in times of uncertainty. So if you are needing to make changes in your, particularly your business and want to know, all right, how can I, what can I do next? We'll have be have a discussion of how you can approach that. And if you're a community member and you're, you're subscribed to our Mighty Networks platform, um, we have the lovely Gail Berry, who is going to be doing a webinar and answering questions around if you are going to pivot, pivot your business 
online and you want to actually shift what you do to something that's more online driven and what does that mean to build that then we're going to be having a, a workshop a masterclass around that where you can get some real sort of personal questions answered from her so if you're a member hope to see you there and that will be on tuesday afternoon so with all of that done thank you very much uh, if you just caught the yeah. end of this you can watch the recording on crowdcast or you can check out our podcast and you can listen to the recording there Thank you very much, Christina. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much, both of you. We love you. We really appreciate your love time you. and effort. <laughs> we will see you again as based on what I, I hear. Think, I think I'm it's 7 a.m. in Atlanta, Hotlanta. Oh, my God, yes. No. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome commitment. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?